A good Monday to you all. It is the start of Bix Week here uh, in Iowa. The Bix 7 Road Race, the 47th annual race, is on Saturday. And um, we're just five days away from that great race coming back after a year away from, uh, from because of the pandemic last year. It was a virtual event. Um, I'm sure a lot of my loyal listeners have already listened to uh, the podcast I had with race director uh, Michelle Jorman. Um, she's an, she's just an air of posit- positivity. Um, she just exudes it. And um, she's just really so excited about this uh, the, the, this year's race. Um, just really was ecstatic uh, talking about all aspects of it. It's going to be a fun event on uh, Saturday. Going to be very warm, though. Um, high in the 90s. Uh, on my birthday, on my 53rd birthday on Saturday, I will be running uh, on the streets of Davenport. Wouldn't miss it. Um, it's become one of my favorite events. Uh, a can't miss uh, event for me right now at this stage in my life. It'll be exciting because Bill Rogers is coming back. Um, he's known uh, around Davenport as uh, Bix Billy, but. Uh, Many also know him as, of course, because of his fame, winning the Boston Marathon. He's also Boston Billy. Um, he's in the Monument Circle along with Joan Samuelson and former race director Ed Froelich. Um, but he's a legend coming back to run at Bix for the 41st time on Saturday. And he's also going to be signing autographs at the uh, Bix 7 Expo from 7 to 8 p.m. So if you want to get uh, a signed uh, item from um, Bix Billy, as I have, I got a Boston Marathon cap signed by him that's on my desk right now. You can do that from 7 to 8. He'll be signing autographs for his book, Marathon Man, that's uh, come out. Um, Bix also in the news over the weekend, they announced their uh, women's and men's elite field. Pretty exciting. Uh, Caroline Rotich, uh, got to be the heavy favorite here. She's a former champion. She looks to be the class of the field. Uh, but it'll be exciting to see uh, Diane Curry, former University of Iowa All-American, uh, coming back to run uh, at Bix. She's uh, runs multiple times uh, on the streets of Davenport. Um, she's... Um, back running healthy now. Um, I'll be mentioning her later on the show. She was at the USA 6K Championships uh, over the weekend. Um, And then you got another big name. You got Edna Kiplagat, but she's 41 years old. So she's getting a little older now. Um, Probably not likely one of the uh, challengers. And then Lindsay Flanagan is another name to watch out for. But for my money, the, the women's favorite is definitely Caroline Rotich, um, but Diana Curry could uh, squeeze in there. Um, it's definitely a challenger for the top three. The men's field is very interesting because the big names are all um, getting a little older, kind of like Kiplagat. You've got uh, two-time winner Leonard Career. He won in 2013 and 2015. But um, but he's 34 years old, um, training in Colorado Springs. So what does he have left? Um, is he going to put in a good performance? 34, you can still run well, but um, but the, but the hills are a little different. Got Sam Chalenga. Um, he's a former um, two-time NCAA track champion, but he's 36 years old. Um, he finished. He's a past winner. Um, his only other appearance in 2017. 
Um, and, and then uh, a guy I like is Scott Fobble. Um, he's really continuing to improve. He was second uh, at Bix in 2017, his only appearance so far. Uh, he um, was seventh uh, in the 2019 Boston Marathon. Um, and um, he's got some good credentials, too, in the Half Marathon Championships and the 25K second in both of those two events, 25K coming in 2018. So I I kind of like maybe his chances to win. Uh, Dominic Career, um, he's won the Lincoln Marathon earlier this spring. Um, so he's got a little bit of good credentials coming in. Um, he's 28 years old. So, um, and then you know, Steven Sambu, again, a, a guy 33 years old. Um, He's a former um, nine-time All-American in Arizona. Uh, he was fourth in 2019, so can he build off that performance? So Sambu is back. Um, all of these athletes, uh, s several of them are Kenyan, but they're all the factor that ties these all in together is they're all uh, based in, a, in, uh, in the United States. They're all based in the U.S., so they're all training here and with travel restrictions it made it somewhat difficult to get a lot of international runners and with the olympics of course starting um well uh, it starts on tuesday i believe with with some soccer um and some softball uh in tokyo but for the most part you know the opening ceremonies will be on friday and then the, you know and then the competition really gets going on on, on saturday so and and with the track and field uh, roughly a week later um so uh you know a lot of people won't be racing either but these are all uh, u.s based runners that uh, mostly are in colorado springs or Flagstaff. So that's kind of the uh, elite field for the Bix. Uh, looking forward to that to see if uh, Career and Rotic can win again, uh, win their titles, or whether someone like Scott Fobble um, could uh, break through and get a victory. Um, so moving on, uh, let's keep with fast people. Uh, we'll keep with the speedy ones. Um, Big news, I, I don't usually do a lot of run ablaze um, new additions to the team, but this one stands out. Uh, they've got the most notable um, new member to the team in their history. Um, David Tu, who graduated from Iowa State uh, this spring, he's going to be a new run ablaze uh, Iowa athlete. This is very exciting for run ablaze because he's – coming off uh, honorable mention all-american honors uh, in the 3000 steeplechase uh, at uh, nationals in eugene so um, he did very well there uh, he's a former all big 12 cross-country runner from 2019 and um, for the cyclones he was the high point award in the big 12 outdoor championships in 2019 so he's got tremendous credentials um, according to the run ablaze uh, press release. Uh, he's going to be moving on up into higher distances like the 20k half marathon distance um, uh, right off the bat. So um, uh, we'll see um, how he does because he's been mostly of of course running you know the 3000 steeple and, uh, and the 5000. So we'll see how he does moving considerably up in distance. But he's 
they 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 haven't had a guy like this on their team um join the team with these kind of credentials ever uh, he's got a pr for the 5k of 1351 for the 10k of 2851 and the 3000 steeple in 839 and he's coming off a victory at the 50th midnight madness races in Ames on uh, july 10th he won that it was it was about a a tenth of a kilometer short because of construction which I wanted to follow up on. Yes, it was construction um, problems that uh, Brett Carney, the race director, did put out in an email to uh, participants um, that uh, caused the change in uh, in the course. But he ran 14.09 that night. So, so it looks like David is going to be staying in Ames and getting some benefits from the Run Ablaze team. And Run Ablaze definitely will be helped by his presence, especially if he runs at uh, the Cross Country Nationals event that they usually take part in in December. And I believe, talking to Nate Hopp, I think it's in... Um, I think it's in Florida this year um, at the uh, Florida State's home home turf this year. So um, that's always a, a big uh, a big one for Run Ablaze. Um, that's always a big target for them. It's been a busy week for news uh, for mid July with uh, Iowa State announcing another assistant coach hire. About 10 days after Iowa announced Ray Robinson as its throws coach to replace Eric Worski who went to Florida, Iowa State, uh, has its uh, throws coach, and it's a familiar name. Dan O'Mara is returning to Ames, where he was an assistant uh, for 15 years, from 1992 to 2007. The last um, 12 years, 12 seasons, he's been at Cedar Falls, where one of his top pupils was Darius King, um, elevated him to great heights. Uh, King was seventh at uh, last month's NCAA out Outdoor Championships. Um, and uh, King also competed at the U.S. Olympic Trials last month. Um, you can't understate uh, what O'Mara has done for the UNI program. Um, the men's throwers um, combined for 61 points outdoors and 37 on the indoor championships to help the Panthers win both of those Missouri Valley uh, League titles just this spring. So that's that's a lot of points. So O'Mara will definitely be missed in Cedar Falls, but it, it makes a lot of sense for him to go there. His wife, Denise, is... Uh, she's an associate athletic director of athletic training, director of athletic training, sorry, director of athletic training at Iowa State, and she's an instructor in the kinesiology department. So they're still living in Ames, so he was commuting um, every day to Cedar Falls, so that commute will be much better. Opportunity came with the announcement that um, Jeremy Sudbury was taken over as the director of track and field and cross country. Sudbury was ec ecstatic in the press release, saying that he's a veteran of our, of our sport and has built a powerhouse throws program during his time at Northern Iowa. I've been most impressed with his work ethic and drive to want to build a culture of excellence that embodies the state of Iowa. He's a great fit for the vision I have of the program. So um, so there you go. Both uh, Iowa and Iowa State now have their throws coaches 
in place. I don't really want to go into too much on throws because, you know, this is a running podcast, but these are the two um, um, universities, uh, the big primary universities in our state. And I want to uh, point out all the news with the four universities in our state, Drake, Northern Iowa, Iowa State, and Iowa in particular, when there is some coaching news, um, because that does affect the entire program that you see. Um, so Sudbury's staff slowly coming together. It, it, it is uh, steadily coming together here. He, uh, of course, hired Matt Lang and Kale Wallace the week before, um, one of them to be his right-hand man in charge, and then uh, uh, Kale Wallace to be the guy who's going to help with the distance events as well. Um, so that's all coming together there for Iowa State uh, with their coaching staff. Um, speaking of Northern Iowa, I wanted to mention this. Um, they uh, they will be holding a send-off celebration for the Paralympian Jessica Himes, who is one of two Panthers who have qualified for the Paralympics in Tokyo, August 24th through September 5th. Erin Kirkhoff also has qualified, but she's unable to attend the send-off. That, um, that celebration and send-off will be uh, Tuesday, July 27th at 6 p.m. at the Dan Deary Toyota uh, on University, Ave- Ave- University Avenue in Cedar Falls. So the event is pub- open to the public um, and light hors d'oeuvres and beverages will be provided and uh, the program's going to start at 6.30, uh, but, uh, you know, they'll have some, of course, like I said, refreshments and stuff coming at 6 o'clock. So Himes, the U.S. record holder in the F-64 discus, that's how she qualified um, last month's U.S. trials in Minneapolis, and this is her second uh, Paralympic Games. And then Kirkhoff was second in the trials in the T13 100-meter dash and 400-meter dash. She's also ranked top 10 in the world in both of those events. So that's a very nice thing that you and I is doing, a send-off for Himes and Kirkhoff um, for the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. And that's coming right up after the uh, main games um, that are starting, as I said, uh, on Saturday. Iowa State also announced its uh, fall cross-country schedule today, and uh, it is light on the schedule. Um, Sudbury following in the uh, tradition of Martin Smith by not over-racing the Cyclones much, so there is only three meets that Iowa State has committed to being in the uh, in the in races before the Big 12 championships. They'll start things off at the Hawkeye Invitational uh, September 3rd in Iowa City. They want to go there especially because the Midwest Regional is going to be in Iowa City on November 12th on their um, beautiful uh, course. So Iowa State starts there and then three weeks later uh, they'll be at the Roy Griak Invitational in Minneapolis. Um, Iowa State doesn't have to choose this year between the GRIAC and the Nuttycomb Invitational. They're both on different weekends um, this fall. So the GRIAC will be on the on the 24th, uh, three weeks later after the Hawkeye Invitational. Then they've got another break here of three weeks before they race in the Nuttycomb Invitational in Madison on October 15th. And then, and then a two-week break between uh, that and the Big 12 championships. That uh, this year will be in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And then uh, another two weeks and another Friday race. 
so they're basically running every Friday here, um, uh, except for nationals, which is on a Saturday. Every other race is on a Friday. Um, so the NCAA, that's easy to remember. NCAA Midwest Regional, um, November 12th, like I said, in Iowa City. And then the Nationals will be at Tallahassee, uh, Florida on November 20th. So that's Iowa State's schedule. Have not seen Iowa's, uh, nor Northern Iowa or Drake yet for schedules. And now for something completely different. There was a report that came out last week on uh, hiring of women in sport uh, for Division I uh, head coaches for 2021. Uh, the Tucker Center for Research on Girls and Women in Sport came out with this report, and they gave track and field and cross country F grades. Uh, both of them, they say, are, are, are not doing well in reference to hiring um, Division I head coaches. Uh, Cross-country uh, head coaches did go up 17.7%, so that shows you how far down they were, but it still is in the low uh, ranking along with such sports as fencing, um, Nordic skiing, and squash. Track and field, a uh, number of head coaches went down sub substantially, so that dropped them down into the F range. Uh, the number of head coaches went down 18.4% um, for the 2021 um, academic year. If you want to know the top uh, coaches, if, if you're talking Division I women, um, it's, it's not surprising, equestrian and field hockey and lacrosse, um, softball, basketball, golf and gymnastics. Those are kind of the... Uh, the big sports that where where women um, per, per, uh, primarily uh, dominate as far as head coaches. When I look at road racing on this level, I feel like women are are pretty well represented. Um, you you've got Mary Wittenberg, a former New York Road Runners president. Um, she led that organization for several years in a very high in the, the most high profile. Uh, position you could have, uh, in in my estimation, um, it's got to be the biggest organization uh, for um, for road racing. She was the uh, president executive director before she left a few years ago. Um, right up the road here from from Iowa, you've got uh, Virginia Brophy Ackman. She's been executive director of the Twin Cities in Motion. Um, she was. Uh, She's been in that position since 2004, and, and before then she was race director. So she's uh, done well. You had Tracy Russell, who was um, who was the chief executive officer of the LA Marathon until uh, leaving recently, and then uh, Lisa Mannheim took her spot as executive director. And but before then, uh, Russell was executive director of the Atlanta Track Club. And then you had uh, people like Patrice Metamoros. Um, she was the former CEO of the Pittsburgh Rivers Marathon before taking a private uh, job in the private sector. And then uh, Geneva Lamb is still the executive director of the Little Rock Marathon. So those are just some of the examples of how road racing is still um, is still very well represented by women. And of course, my um, 
my, my podcast guest um, just the other day was um, Michelle uh, Jorman, um, who's now in her second year as the Bix uh, leader of that race. Um, I, I kind of felt like after I got done with my inter interview that I should have probably broached the question about how she feels about um, um, being in this role. Um, but I, but I think it's changed, um, on the road racing circuit, but still it was a question that I, I felt like in hindsight, it probably needed to be asked, um, just, you know, um, whether she, um, senses that there's a, a very good amount of women, uh, in these positions, um, as far as leadership of road races, um, nationally, just uh, that should have been asked. Um, but, um, I, but, uh, but obviously, um, track and field and cross country still have some room to grow, um, at the NCAA division one level based on the report from the Tucker center for research. It's that time for a flashback. The year was 2009. Who was the uh, Iowa High School Athletic Association uh, person who used to say, the year was 1965 during the state basketball? Was it Mo Kelly? I think it might have been Mo Kelly. Anyway, I'm channeling him here with the, uh, you know, the year was 2009. And the Big Seven welcomed Meb Kafleski back. The former champion from 2002 was the highlight runner in the USA Championships at the Big Seven Road Race. And Meb didn't disappoint in winning his second U.S. title for seven miles. Uh, he uh, grinded up the uh, Brady Street Hill with a 501 mile, but then took off, uh, was never heard from again after the second mile run in 408, which people who know the course is, it's, it's a pretty much a, a downhill, net downhill uh, mile. And that gave him an insurmountable lead as he uh, rolled to the victory. Over Anthony Famoletti. I remember Anthony. Um, he was from Knoxville, Tennessee. And James Carney was third. Uh, he's from Boulder, Colorado. Meb ended up earning 32.25 in that 2009 USA mile, Seven Mile Championships. Um, Famoletti was 30 seconds back in that race. And then um, James Carney, as I mentioned, from Boulder, ran 33.17. Interesting, uh, Josh Moen, uh, an Iowan, um, a former Wapsie Valley runner who was uh, running for um, Team USA Minnesota at the time, he was sixth in 33-35. So I mentioned this race because um, this Saturday's race is going to look a lot like the USA Seven Mile Championships with, uh, you know, All-American field basically uh, in the ranks. Um, because of travel restrictions, a lot of Kenyans who have uh, become American citizens, you, you'll, you'll, you'll find there, there aren't uh, too many uh, foreign runners in this race. The women's winner, someone you probably have heard of, was Molly Huddle. Um, it was her second USA road racing title uh, that day. Um, she had won the 10K title uh, the previous October in Boston. So Huddle, who was 24 at the time, um, <clears throat> she won a three-way battle in that race, uh, defeating uh, Magdalena Louis Boulay uh, of Oakland and uh, Serena Burla 
of, uh, well, uh, neighboring state, Ellisville, Missouri. Uh, Huddle ran 37-37 um, to uh, Edge Berla by six seconds, and then Louis Boulay by eight seconds. I'm glad I pronounced that right. Louis Boulay, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for that, uh, getting that right. Um, so that was her, her second title, um, and um, uh, her second career title, and that was Meb's uh, second seven mile championships that was 2009 at the Bix Quad City Times Bix Seven, and we'll be doing it again on Saturday, the 47th annual race on Saturday. Now it's time for what all you've been waiting for, and that is the race results from the weekend, starting with the USA TF 6K Women's Championships in Canton, Ohio on Saturday. Already mentioned um, this earlier with Diane Curry. She finished ninth, but the top former Iowa Collegian was former Iowa State star Annie Frisbee. She's now running for the Minnesota Distance Elite Team. She finished sixth in that race in Canton, Ohio, running 1846. Um, she ended up getting $900 for her work. Um, and uh, Nakuri, as I said, an ASICS runner now in Flagstaff, Arizona. She was ninth. She got $600 for her efforts. She ran 1854 in that race. The winner was former Arkansas runner Taylor Werner. She ran 1821 to take that USATF 6K title. Former Iowa State runner Festus Lagat, who just finished his career at Iowa State, he was running in the American Track League event at Trabuco Hills High School in uh, suburban Los Angeles. Festus uh, ran um, a lot of what we saw from him from the spring track season. He leaves it to the end, and he nearly uh, kicked enough to get the victory. But Brandon Kidder, former Penn State runner, had just enough at the finish line to hold him off. Kidder ran a really strong time of 145.26 to take the win. He kind of dominated from the... Um, about the final 300 meters, and like I said, Lagat broke away from the rest of the pack to run 145.69. Excellent time uh, for this uh, um, post, uh, I guess, Kenyan trials time. He was fifth in the Kenyan trials in the 800 uh, recently, right about the time when the U.S. championships were held. So pretty good for a down period, if you will, in track and field until the season revs up after the Olympics. Um, I did want to mention uh, Craig Engels. Um, he finished third in that 800. He he really was a big uh, reason that a couple of the men who were trying to break four minutes in the mile for the first time did so. Um, he was encouraging the crowd as he was running. Uh, he organized this thing, um, this uh, mustache race. <laughs> I guess it's called something like that. It was it was kind of funny. Uh, it was uh, you know trying to get all the participants to, to to wear mustaches, and of course the top uh, the the top two guys both were wearing mustaches that broke four minutes. But Engels paced them through three laps. It was really encouraging of that, and 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 that's that that's impressive for a guy who uh, finishes third in the eight hundred meters and then comes back about an hour later and runs three laps of the race and um, helps out a couple guys break four minutes. Um, just just a real um, 
I, that, that's what track and field is all about. Uh, it's, it's, it's good sportsmanship. It's, it's helping other others, um, supporting other people. And that was great to see. Now, if only the American track league can go to a track facility that looks nicer than Trabuco Hills. <laughs> it was not good looking on camera. Um, it, it's a pretty well-worn track, so, uh, they need a, they need a facelift and, at Trabuco Hills for that uh, track meet, it was uh, it was the track needs some help. Um, coming back here locally, the 40th Clive Running Festival was held on Saturday, and um, you had a phenomenal. Well, well, let's go with maybe the 5K time because Jason Thomas, former West Des Moines um, Dowling Catholic prep. He's now 26 years old and a run ablaze Iowa athlete, ran 1444.9. Now, if this is right, the course is right, this is a PR for him because his PR that's mentioned is 1455. So if it is, congratulations to Jason. That's a 10-second PR. He won by, I'm trying to do the math here, about... Um, uh, 125 over Ben Russell of Des Moines. Ben is 20. Um, he ran 16.09. And then Jake Sutton of Johnston. Uh, he was right behind Russell, running 16.10. Flynn Milligan, who's 16 and a Dowling Catholic prep right now from Des Moines. He was a fine fourth place finish in 16.14.2. And then Toby Moore of West Des Moines was 1633.7 for fifth place. I did want to mention this. There were a couple really strong uh, run, uh, runs by uh, Masters runners uh, over the weekend. And Kevin Kohler of Clive is 50 years old, a neighbor of mine, and he ran 1722.6 for seventh place. That's a, that's a phenomenal time uh, by Kevin Kohler. The 5K and um, 10K was a Schultz effort here as Lauren, uh, the younger, um, just finished up her senior season at Valley. Um, she's from Clive. She won the 10K. And then her mom, uh, Jenny Schultz, who's a legend um, in, in Masters running in Iowa, um, she won the uh, the, the 5k Jenny um, ran 1916.1 she doesn't do much racing anymore but the 48 year old still trucked it uh, along um, the Clive Greenbelt Trail for the victory and um, Lauren her like I said her daughter ran 39.56.8 for the 10k win Elise Emick was second in that 5k she is <clears throat> now at South Dakota State she's a former Southeast Warren High School uh, prep from Carlisle. She ran 1940.3 for second. And then Carly Olney, who just finished her senior season, I believe, at Waukee. She um, is from Clive. She ran 1942.3. The 10K was won by also a run ablaze athlete. So the run ablaze swept both men's races. Blake Whalen, a Dubuque native, <clears throat> former Iowa Central runner. He's 25 years old. He ran 30.48.5 for that 10K victory, and it was warm on Saturday uh, as um, he was an easy winner in that race. 
He won by 431 over Patrick Carruthers Green of Des Moines. There were also really fast times at the Beef Days 5K in Solon on Saturday. Runablaze also took the victory there. Former BCLUW and Morningside runner Jay Welp of Iowa City was the winner in 1514. That's a 454 time. He's 29 years old. Welp was the winner of that WR Elite 5K last October in 1418. So um, he's. Not quite as fast as then, but um, we, of course we we know that the course could uh, make a difference. That WR Elite, by the way, there were in that race, there were 18 men who broke 15 minutes that day at Waterworks Park, including the guy I mentioned earlier, Jason Thomas, who ran 14:57 that day. Uh, Ford Washburn. Iowa City High Prep, uh, 16 years old, really running well. 15:37 time for second place. Joseph Skursky, also of Iowa City, um, he was one second back in third place. Ian Kasky, a 39-year-old from Lisbon, took fourth in 15:54, and then um, Liam Conroy, a former uh, Mount Vernon Prep who just finished it pairs his senior season at Warburg College. He ended up fifth in 1558, so five men breaking 16 minutes there on that course. That's a very strong. Uh, the women's winner was Ashlyn Keeney, 17-year-old um, from North Liberty. I'm assuming that she runs for North Liberty. She ran 1932. And um, finishing third in the women's race, I want to mention her. Carol Richards is listed as 55 years old. She's from Solon, and she ran 1953. If that's accurate, that's a heck of a time by Carol Richards. Have not heard that name, but um, but that's the official result there. Uh, she breaks 20 minutes at age 55. The Rustic Run 4-mile was held in Lost Nation, and you had the Steinus mother and daughter <laughs> duo of Noel and Jessica took uh, one and one two positions uh, in the women's race. Noel uh, was given the uh, the victory, even though they both had the same time. Noel was timed in twenty six forty seven. She's a Calamus Wheatland. She's going into high school, I believe, uh, fourteen years old, and her mother Jessica, of uh, age forty. Also ran 26.47 for that four-miler. Um, not too far off the winning times. Uh, the Crossroads Triathlon in, uh, was held in DeWitt on Saturday. And the women's winner was Sarah Donath of Bettendorf. She was clocked in 113.02. And um, the, the men's winner there was not from Iowa, so I didn't want to mention them. So that's a win for the Bettendorf uh, woman. And finally, from the weekend, we had the Walcott Days 5K, where you had Chris Guys of Bettendorf. He's 20 years old, former uh, Davenport Assumption prep, who is now running for Loris College. He took runner-up honors in 1614, he was 11 seconds behind the winner from Milan, Illinois. There was one more result that I wanted to mention this week, and that was from July 10th. 
a result with a victory by former Spirit Lake prep Alec Baldwin. He put that up on Instagram that he had won the Spearfish Canyon Half Marathon in Spearfish, South Dakota that day. And I looked up the results, and yes, he did. The 28-year-old ran 108.03 to take the victory by 50 seconds. So congratulations for him. Didn't know there were that many half marathons in July, but he did find one. And that, um, that, that, that takes care of your lot for this week's results. I won't have a podcast later on this week. I moved up my interview with Michelle Juring um, to Sunday night. Monday morning to um, promote uh, Bix a little bit better, but I will have a lot uh, from Bix coming up next week on the podcast. Hope you tune in. It'll be out on Tuesday morning next week. Until then, happy running, everyone.